Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. 101.9 Chai FM Chai Chinuch by G. We are back as we do every Monday between 2 to 3 where we discuss education, what's happening around the world, what's happening in the community, what can we learn, what can we grow from, what can we achieve. Just how do we be better people? How do we influence people around us? Today, we're going to have a very busy show. Um, we're going to be discussing a bit, just mentioning about what happened in the community in the past uh, few days. Uh, touching on an uh, amazing topic, I have a legend here in studio with me, Alan Poyers, with a brand new amazing project. We'll get to that later on in the show. And talking to um, an educator from overseas regarding uh, relations, etc. So, a lot happening, and let's get to the show. I guess uh, we without t- too many introductions, obviously anything you have to share, you have anything you want to say, you want to add, we need to know about education. I know we're kind of towards the end. For a lot of us, it's the last week of the term. Not that we wish to get to holidays already. I'm sure everybody loves and enjoys schools and training and growing. However, still... Last week of the term, I'm sure there's what to say about that and what to think. So anything you have to say, 061-895-1019 is a WhatsApp line, 061-895-1019. You could always send an SMS, but that's only in South Africa, 34519 is the SMS line. Or you can email us from anywhere at unair at com, or even call 010-140-3020. I'll start with a very interesting conversation I had this morning with one of uh, my most favorite educators who's uh, came to South Africa for a few days, um, talking about Rabbi Akiva Grosnas. Many of you know him as the son of uh, the Rosh Koila, the past Rosh Koila of Koil Yacho. Um In America, he's well known as Rabbi Grosnas on his own as a rabbi in Muncie, uh, very famous educator, and we were discussing about education, and one of the topics that came up, uh, and as he said, it's a very important message, and I always say we need to remind ourselves consistently about it, is the confusion between love and accountability, which means one of the biggest challenges that he's finding right now as an educator is that we're very, very focused in Loving our kids completely, which is an amazing thing, a very, very positive thing, which sometimes on a less positive thing is falling into places of letting them away with things, saying, okay, I'm not going to get upset about this. You're not going to have to deal with this and this consequence. This is not going to happen. Let's just give lots and lots of sharing and love, and which leads to a lack of responsibility. And he's actually finding major difficulties in the community where he's working in overseas, um, including anxiety that's raising, like we're seeing here as well. I could uh, testify here in South Africa as a lot is happening. And relating the anxiety rates and the, um, the lack of stableness to the matter, to the fact that sometimes we're leading into a point that when we don't, um, take responsibility about something that needs to be done and we cover up for someone we're not actually doing them a favor which means that when we come into our relationships in our homes with our families with our kids we got to remember 
we love our kids dearly, and it's the most important thing in the world to show the love consistently. However, don't confuse it and give up on boundaries and give up on things you believe in and give up on things that people need to be responsible for. The love doesn't have to be instead of responsibilities. It should come together with responsibilities and expect your kids, your family, yourself to perform as good as you should, the best you should. And even if it's difficult, even if you would just prefer to say, oh, whatever, and give a big hug and let it go, because it's important not to confuse these two. That was his opinion. I wonder what you think about it. Please, do you think that um, we are a bit losing our consistency with love? Let me know what you think. 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line. 061-895-1019. Or 34519 is the SMS line. Are we losing our consistency to, for love? And on air at com is the email address. I'm not going to give a lot of time to this because we have a very packed show and I'm actually anxious. I don't know if I'm allowed to be anxious. I'm supposed to be so cool in this show, but I'm going to, I, I am anxious to start this interview already. Um, with, in my eyes, honestly, a legend, Alan Poyers. Alan is an educator. He was involved many years with in marketing, wrote materials, training people, managing things. And now he's took all of his experience in education, training, teaching, marketing, etc., and brought it into a new project, a new program called With Distinction. Good afternoon, Alan. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you for having me here today. It's a complete pleasure. With Distinction, what does that mean? With Distinction basically is a an organization which we put together in order to enable people to perform. And while there's a lot of stuff out there helping people to perform, the, the angle which I'm taking with this organization is allowing people space to perform. Because we all know that when spe- people are given space, when they're given the opportunity to express themselves, that's when they're going to perform at the best. And the idea for this concept actually came many, many, many years ago. I was reading a D.H. Lawrence book, and one of the characters turned around to the other character and he said, I am like a flower and there's sunlight, there's sunshine, but you are the shade you're blocking my sunshine. You're not allowing me to flower. You're not allowing me to blossom. You're not giving me that space that I need in order to grow and to become the person that I need. And therefore, the relationship cannot continue. And we're talking about people that are doing it from uh, a good angle. 100%. They're actually caring and wanting the, the their uh, person that they're talking to, their child, their student, their spouse, their parent, their friend, neighbor, whoever it is, they're trying to help him, to give him guidelines, and still, instead of helping, they're actually blocking the sun. The sun. One, 100%. So it's not coming from necessarily a bad place. It can be coming from a very good place. But the reality of the matter is we need to create an awareness, a very strong awareness. And there's two aspects of that awareness that we need to create. There's a self-awareness about myself, and then there's an, an awareness of how are we impacting on others. How are we allowing others to find what they need to do? So you can use an example in if, if two people are having a, a disagreement, a discussion. So, so what happens? This person is standing into that person's space and that person standing on that person's space. And each person is trying to enforce their opinion on the space of the other person. Whereas a far more productive way would be to give each other the space to express themselves, to allow themselves to say what they want to say, and then to work on that. Which means that impacting 
doesn't mean forcing your thoughts on somebody else. And we and kind of defining the difference between influencing somebody, having an impact on him, which uh, you're going to elaborate, I hope, and the actually telling him, no, this is the way you got to do it, forcing him into and getting upset if he doesn't do it your way, etc., one hundred percent. And the, but the difficulty of this, the difficulty is we often very we, we see this in management. That's why there's probably millions of management books that are put out there. There's always going to be a tension. I, I can't manage my time to read them. I don't think most <laughs> people can actually manage the time to read them. Most people, I think, a lot of people pretend they've read them. But <laughs> but the, the situation is, why do we need? I mean, why can't you just have one management book written and everybody can do that? Because of the dynamics of the tension. There's always a tension between allowing space, giving guidelines. I think parents struggle with this, and I was listening to what you were saying earlier. Even within love, if in a, in, in a relationship of love, there has to be that the, the the one way you've got to give the space for the person to find themselves but on the other hand you've got to be there to guide but as soon as there becomes control becomes this design that's often you see it in companies as well that that there's this enforcement of 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 an opinion of one person's opinion throughout the business and as i mentioned earlier i was looking at some so uh, you you, before what you mentioned earlier because you're hitting an amazing point the difference between instructions and guidelines what are the guidelines for me to give to somebody or, or tell him what to do we do have to take a short break for ads, but that's where we. I'd, I'd love to take from there and hear your opinion. What is, how would you define the difference between uh, guidelines and instructions? 061-895-1019 is the WhatsApp line. 34519 is the SMS line on air at You can email us. Short break. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 HiFM. Okay, right before the break, Alan, we were discussing uh, an amazing point when we try to influence and help people. Define the difference between instructions and between guidelines. While guidelines, you've mentioned, uh, it helps people shine and grow and manage, instructions can be sometimes intimidating, blocking the sun, as you said earlier. How do we define the difference? So I, th- I think the best way to have a look at defining the difference is to have a look at a scenario. So if you take a, a, a person who comes into a job, so there's a technical aspect of the job where there's certain instructions which a person has to follow. So because if you don't follow those instructions, you're not going to say, oh, a person's a pilot. There's technical instructions. So how do you take the plane off? How do you fly it? How do you land it, etc.? At least in most companies. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, really hope, Hopefully. yeah. <laughs> and, and even like in, 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 in sort of like more sort of basic jobs, there's always a teller in a bank. There's instructions. How do you deposit money? How do you, um, you know, to whatever, f- uh, do all the different transactions. However, there's a very important other side. Now, guidelines, when we start talking about guidelines, guidelines has to take the more emotional and the more, um, <clears throat> sorry, the more psychological aspects of the job into consideration and there what you've got to be able to do is mold whatever you're telling that person to the personality of that person it becomes more personal because if you want to engage people in the workplace if you want to get people to do what you want them to do so you want them to feel a connection and you want them to feel part of it so so almost it's almost like instructions are almost they're non-personal they're objective this is the same instruction will be given to everybody who's doing that job no matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter where they come from. However, when it comes to guidelines, how do you how do you guide? And I think that's an important word. How do you guide that person to give the very best? Now it's interesting. I was looking at a Gallup survey, and it was done um, worldwide. I, I, if I just stop, if one of the things I came across years ago, fascinating. One of the biggest companies in Israel that ever were ever sold, I think, for about 
five billion shekel or something like that. Uh, kind of a lot of rands and billions and billions. It was it was a steel company, uh, metals, etc. Nothing major and inspiring. However, one of the ways that the business actually wor- worked, I've heard from people that were there, as soon as you walked into the factory or to the warehouse or wherever you walked in, there was a vision written up on all the walls, by all the sinks, by all the toilets, everywhere. The owner had a vision with his metal. Nothing like the most random thing. And I think the vision was very something people can connect to. So I know they need to hold the metal in a certain way, but there's also the, what are we doing here? What's our job? And that's the most random thing. So as you say, to have the people around you connecting to what you're doing. Exactly. And and the the, the example you gave is beautiful because – I saw I saw an example as well. Like if you want to say that your company is the fastest, the best, the most efficient, how are your people going to believe that they are the best, the fastest, and the most efficient? So you can tell them, but that's not good enough. You've got to take them one step level. You've got to show somebody how they are, their impact on that organization and their impact on the customer and show them that if you do your job in X or Y way, then you are going to be um, – Fast perceived in the in the certain in the, the manner that the company wants you to do it, but the bottom line is, in order to have to to guide people, you've got to give them the space, you've got to allow them to express themselves, to ask you, to mould whatever you're telling them in a way which is going to work for them, and that's the key idea here. It's the key idea with our children. We all want our children to do well, but are we giving them the space in order to discover themselves in order to do well, or are we enforcing what we think they should be doing? And the same thing as our employees. And again, are we allowing that space? So how do we find the guideline between if I give instructions to somebody because I do need, where am I pushing the the actual theory and thought and, and beliefs into just technical lines? I think, I think the difference is normally a, a big motivator which causes us to, to, to miss that gap is fear. If I become too scared that something bad is going to happen, I'm going to resort to the more instruction mode rather than the guidelines. Fear is the killer there. That's fascinating, which means that let's take it to our homes, even start there. If I have a fear about a certain child, I came home from a PTA meeting and the teacher tells me, I'm really concerned about your child. End of story. I come home. I'm very nervous. I what I'm sensing is that I may automatically turn from inspiring my child to actually give him guidelines because I know that the teacher's concerned, maybe I'm concerned, maybe what's gonna be and create a problem where there isn't one. One hundred percent. So so fear is a very important factor. I think that we need to take note of that, that whenever we're coming to give somebody guidelines or instructions, we need to take the element of fear away from there. Exactly. And especially if it's our fear. It's, it, it could be our personal fear that something could happen or something could go wrong. That it, it's our, our it's our perception. It's our. It's, but it doesn't mean ago. it's the other person's. You you might be the the head of the company, so you might have a fear X, Y, and Z is happening. But that doesn't necessarily mean your employees have that fear. Why should you instill your fear onto them? Why should the parent instill their fear onto them? And that's what and that's what that that's saying in the beginning that we are all beautiful flowers. We all need to blossom. We all need to be watered. And, and just a quick analogy is that if you plant a seed, you can't pick it up. If you plant it, then three days later, you quickly dig it up to see how it's growing. And then three days later, oh, you're going to get a flower. You're going to get nothing. But it's your fear, your anxiety, is this growing into what I want it to be? But in the process, you're killing it. 
That's amazing. And I want to ask you about your analogy. Do you, when you plant a seed, you also give it some time to rot first before it shines. Is exactly. that also in allow real life? Allow the mistake. Allow, allow the, the mistakes. Mistake. Allow the failure. Allow the mistakes. Allow the failures. This extremity that I'm, I'm either doing it perfectly or it's, it's a disaster. That's terrible. Life's gray. It's not black and white. Yeah, exactly. And we need to teach our children to live in the gray because out of the gray comes greatness. Okay, so so a mistake, a failure is actually part of the it's growing powerful. It's, it's powerful. It's something we can learn from. A hundred percent. And achieve. So when we have – and let's talk about marketing a second because and, – and take it to that area of training because I think it influences tremendously into life, into everything we are. Okay, let's say somebody's a manager of a company and – 40 years ago, when he started his working life, he actually was first a salesman, and he tried to sell something, and it didn't work. And then he comes, and he sees that his workers now are using the same technique. Must he come and say, sorry, tried that 40 years ago, it doesn't work, or kind of let them go through it? Because here is a huge place for fear, and it's your company. You want to make sure it's happening. Um, saying that, how can you give space without losing your security? It's, it's a beautiful question. It's a very real question because you're talking about uh, living and finding uh, the business surviving. The, tr- the truth of the matter is if you want to get people into that space, you've got to use questions. You've got to ask them. You say, how do you feel? What were the results that you were getting? How did you feel speaking to that person? How did that person react to you? And once you bring that person around, instead of coming in and saying, look, I tried this. It didn't work, and now we're not doing it anymore. Because what you've got to do is you've got to engage that person and you've got to ask them those questions and you've got to make them feel as though, and not in a false or an arrogant way, get that person, dig into that person's mind. And you know what? Maybe it didn't work for you, but who says it won't work for somebody else? I have to say it's fascinating. And on a personal level, um, I think I met you for some about two years ago, three years ago. No, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know. And I remember in our first meeting, I came with a whole plan to show you and then hear your comments, etc. And leaving the me- meeting, I was like, oh, so this is actually what I'm doing. I kind of realized a whole new uh, um, different perspective of what I'm doing. And it was actually just because of questioning and and giving maybe – uh, some information and 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 asking how that fits in together, but actually creating, uh, letting me and forcing me to create my own thing. And that's exactly for me to market you. It must be you. It's not me telling you what you should be in the market, because you, the person, is ultimately is going to go out there and face the customer. So therefore, I've got to give you the space, and I've got to set, I've got to facilitate the okay. process. So where does with distinction come into that area in? into businesses, into relationships, into um, anything that we need to engage with other people, I guess. How would that work? Basically, what would happen in, in terms of a business, we have to look at a situation because I've, got, I've, I've looked at this thing in business. You've got what's called boulders and builders. Builders are people who create businesses. Builders are people who block. They become obstacles. And if you're going into a business, normally you'll find that a lot of the obstacles is because people are, are being blocked. And the idea is when you go into business, you have to identify those blockages, you have to identify those boulders, and you have to chip away at them. Now, because we're calling it a boulder because you can't just shove a boulder away quickly. And it might take years. You're dealing with personalities. You're dealing with egos. You're dealing with lots of different factors. But if slowly but surely you can get people to see the, the benefits of moving that boulder out the way, you unblock. And I must be honest, my experience in business has been that big problems often have tiny little switches to cure them. So I was going to ask you, how do I know if a boulder is really a boulder or it's actually my 
thoughts because of I know so much and I feel that it's a boulder when it's not. I'll just give you an example. I had not long ago a conversation with somebody who um, put together a project in Russia. And he took uh, two very, very famous people that you read about them in the media a lot that the media says that they don't get along together and they fight all the time and it's and it's crazy. And he walked them to them and he got them to do a joint project together. I'm talking about people that have millions of people looking up to them. And when I asked him, how did you do that? Where was your success? And he told me, he thought about it and he said, I think because when I came into Russia, I knew nothing about Russians. And I knew nothing about the government. I knew nothing about this. So I tried. And if I would have none, had a bit, a, a, even a little bit of the knowledge I had today, I never would have gone for it. So, and and that's coming to when you're saying sometimes we have a, a, a obstacle in the business. We think it's an obstacle, but it's not. It's just because of our fears, of our knowledge, of our understanding. How do I identify that? The the way in, within a business, you would have to go into the business and you would have to speak to the people. You would have to find out. You would go into the business. You, you would interview people. And you have to get people in, in, in a situation where they trust you and they're able to come out and tell you, this is exactly what I'm feeling. Because the reality is if they don't express it, it will come out in the results. So, therefore, you've got to give people the space to be able to talk to you and tell you. Where if it's in a more personal relationship, um, that's not necessarily in a business. It, it, it can be in, in, in a marriage or whatever. Then you have to – people instinctively know when things aren't working. They know it. They but feel that something is happening. They know. And all what we're trying to do here is to get people to get to this higher level, give them the space, open up the space. And that's why in business and in branding and in marketing, trust is so important. Because when, when, when I trust you, I've taken, I've given you a space to operate in. I've, I've, and you trust me. I've opened up a space for you. And you say, you know, I can use that person's product or I can phone that person. I know they're going to look after me. They're going to allow me to be who I am. And so, that's what you want to do. So you want to do business with somebody you can actually depend on. Yes, and it's, it's allowing you to express yourself. And in I think it's, that's where you'll see the problems. When you see people closed in and tightened, that's where you'll identify there's a problem here. So it's not that different in relationships inside homes. No, Everyone it's all has, relationships. It's, it's all relationships, yes. basically, because this is what we really deal with on the show. And, and it's really about creating our homes into a safe environment, into an open uh, place that people could actually shine and and grow and, and achieve. 100%. That's schools as well. Classroom environments are the, 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 the you know, I remember lecturing. You have to open up the, the, the students' minds first. You can't come in and just throw your syllabus over their heads. They're not so ready for it. So how do you balance it? it? Because there is a lot that you need to do in school and there's a curriculum and there's uh, um, accomplishments and, and there's exams and the, and the terms I know, uh, sorry South Africans for saying it, but the terms are too short. You can't even get anywhere. So how do we fit everything in? It, it's, not, it's not an easy solution, and, and, but as, as a lecturer, I mean, I remember you still had a syllabus and, and, and you have some people. You'll see, now the SMSs will come in. The terms are too long. Don't say they're too short. All the students, no, they're too busy with exams. Don't worry about that. Okay. You, you have to, again, you, you have to know your student. There's, there's a million different ways to present work. There's a million different ways to present a class. So you, you have to explore, and that's what we want teachers to do. They need to give themselves space. Principals need to give teachers space, lecturers, whatever. They need to be given the space to find the optimum way to, to, to reach out to their children. And it might take a little bit extra time, and it might take a little bit extra effort, a little bit more reading, yeah, a little bit more investigations, but there definitely are ways because people do do it. Okay, we, we, it, it, it's fascinating. We do have to get to the end of the, of the interview because we have more things coming up. Um, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back from the break, I just want to hear one thing. 
how can somebody actually connect and experience this thing and actually start implementing it into his own life? I know I asked a very uh, short question, <laughs> but we'll deal with it after a very short break. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Okay, so Alan, we do have to get to the end of the show. It's uh, to the end of this interview. Um, I'm really fascinated about all of this. If somebody wants to kind of, in, in two words, experience, connect, get get a part of the program that you're talking about, how do how do they do that? How do they be in touch with you? And what could just maybe give us one tip they could start implementing now at home? So, firstly, just the, the tip. The first thing I would suggest is that we have to work very hard on awareness. Creating self-awareness and questioning ourselves. Normally we keep questioning others. The starting point, question yourselves. How am I relating to this child? How am I relating to this employee? So it starts with that to increase awareness. Once the awareness is increased, the behaviors, then we can start working on those behaviors. And it's beautiful. Like we use stories over here to create awareness. Sometimes we use third-party stories. So it's not too personal. And people start saying, oh, my gosh. That, that person seems a bit like me or that's a bit like me. And then they start you, – you have to start doing that. So I think we're going to – I'm going to just comment on that because we have to question um, – I would say I'd love your example through other people. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, many times we have this intention instead of questioning is actually – uh, using questions as filling ourselves with guilt. We love it. I mean, just getting guilty, but it, this is my fault. That's my fault. This no. and this and this. That's not called questioning. No. I mean, it is. Those but are it's statements. Not the right. Exactly. You know what? You're right. Those are statements. Those are answers. Those are excuses. They're not questions. Exactly. Um, questions, as you said, is with no guilt in a very fair, uh, um, honest way, I guess. Yes. And, and what do you want to achieve? That? Are you getting what you, you, you're getting by doing what you're doing? If you're not, start questioning. Okay, Start so I think we're going to have to have you another time here to see, after we have the questions, what do we actually do with the questions? 100%. Okay, so we question, now what do I do? Uh, we'll get to that at a different time. If anybody wants to be in touch with you directly, how do they do that? They can email me on Alan, A-L-A-N-D for David, P for Poyers, at telcomsa.net, or they can contact me on my cell, 076-909-1739. Okay, anything to do with, with distinction? And achieving it. Alan, thank you so much for being with thank us. You. Uh, however, the truth is that the interview has finished, but I'm going to ask you to stay in two, three minutes because the next topic links directly into what you're talking about. Okay? In studio, I have with me two rabbis, Rabbi Rosenberg and Rabbi Rosenberg are here on a very uh, um, important mission. Came here from overseas. They Their goals in life is to look at all the aspects of Jewish relationships, um, as they call in Hebrew, Taharat HaMishpacha. It's running the relationships within family, between couples, marriages, etc., which extremely professional, uh, know all about the concept. And I want to discuss with them about them a bit, the benefits of um, keeping the rules and the, the guidelines that they're talking about in a relationship. For that... I've asked another person to join us here in the show. It's She's actually overseas right now. Um, Rebitson, Mrs. Candy Gross. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us. Do you hear us? Mrs. Gross? No, I don't hear you at all. Hello? 
Hello, I can hardly hear you. Okay, maybe maybe we can try again. Um, we're trying to discuss with um, Ms. Rebison Candy so Gross. How about this other number? Nine nine three six seven zero six. Okay, we're, we, I think we're having a bit of uh, trouble in the line. Um, let's um, let's try again. Um, we'll be right back. So we're going to be right back in a discussion of uh, talking to uh, Rebbitz and Candy Gross. She is a professional in relationships, in boundaries, in in Tahar Samish all the theory, everything about it. Uh, together with Rabbi Rosenberg, that are here in South Africa right now. Uh, actually, on a mission for that. Um, I, I will ask, Ellen, that's why I asked you to, to, to stay for a minute. Where does that link into what we were talking about beforehand? Because a lot of what they're talking about, that there are times of distance that actually bring you closer. Does that, does that actually, do we see that on a day to day basis? Yes, definitely, because that's, that's that whole concept, the, the, the space concept of, of once you allow space, you actually allow you, and you allow people to blossom as who they want to be, definitely they'll become closer. And, and the relationships will flourish, definitely. So actually the distance brings people. Definitely. It's almost like a paradox, but it works. Okay. So, and and, and that, that, time is, that time is actually used to, to I guess, uh, regain and renew and, and, get, uh, and get together. So we're going to be discussing more probably on the on – the, I, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe she'll probably bring with a female uh, uh, version to it to see uh, how how it works. We do have to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to be continuing this conversation with um, Rebitzin Candy Gross. Short break. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM Chai with Rabbi G. We are back. So we are in the middle of a discussion with um, with uh, um, Tahar Samishpacha organization. These are two rabbis that are here in South Africa on a journey to actually uh, um, give us some guidelines and see how we can focus more on, on um, distance that brings relationship. Um so I, I do want to ask Rabbi Rosenberg, from your experience in in guiding people through this process, do you do, have you seen um, the the major uh, uh, differences between when we take a step aside from the relationship and then reconnect, or it actually has been, um, it actually has been that. We, it's more into the halakha guidelines and not so much on the day-to-day lives. Which I think I, I think I, I, I'm going to take the opportunity. I will maybe uh, do a bit of translation here to get into see into um, how we can uh, um, do this conversation and see if we can get um, Mrs. Gross back online with us. So. Um, Right. I'll just give a bit of background of what we are discussing here and what we're trying to do here on the show is because many times um, people question and these questions are coming in consistently um, saying, you know, in our lives, we are so busy. We are so uh, um, running from thing to thing. So many things are happening in life. And we actually um, hardly have time with our spouses, spouses even. And now you're coming and saying uh, that taking a step back will actually improve our relationship. 
which is a question that's hard to, to, to connect to. Alan, who's we've been talking to here, you have said you have experienced that sometimes giving somebody, somebody the other, the, the time and the space will bring you together and will bring you closely. Um, do you ha- Have you seen that sometimes a different case, that sometimes when people don't have time at all, by taking distance, things will become more difficult? Or actually, it's always good to be together from far will actually bring you together and closer. I think um, one has to qualify when we're talking about taking time or space. I think in, in a relationship, you have to create a space for the other person to flourish, as I've said. But then you also have to create a space, and this is quite a tricky one, between yourself and your opinion. Because that sometimes, when your opinion becomes too much of you, it becomes a dangerous problem. And that can be, happen in a relationship. When I say in, 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 in a husband and wife relationship, for argument's sake, that you need to give yourself space... It's not necessarily that you have to stay away from each other or anything like that. It's that you have to step back from what you expect from that person and allow that person to flourish. That's the kind of space I'm talking about. And, and, and allow that person to express themselves, to say what they, they need to say and to say what they want to do. So you're stepping away in a positive way, not in a negative way. Uh, fascinating. And, and I want to hear, um, I think um, Rebetzin Candy Gross is back with us. And let's hear from her what happens when we reconnect afterwards. Good afternoon, Rebetzin Gross. Are you with us? Yes. Can you speak a drop louder? We will try our best. Okay, so we, we are towards the end of the, the show, but we are just, we were discussing up to now, um, relationships. What does a distance in a relationship do to the relationship? Does it benefit? Does it damage? And how can it, what happens when we reconnect after the distance? Well, it, uh, it gives a renewal to the relationship because we know that anything that's available all the time becomes very mundane and becomes um, less, less um, valuable. And when you cannot have something all the time and uh, there's a renewal, then the, the connection is much stronger with much more <clears throat> respect and dignity and of course, uh, we have the uh, the uh, special feature that it's godly ordained, so that uh, that God is part of this relationship all the time. So, uh, by actually uh, um, taking distance, uh, let's start with the first point. It actually brings us into the understanding that what we have is precious. That we have what? Well, the relationship we do have. We only realize how precious it is when we actually take a step back. Exactly. Okay. Yes. And it's important. Yes. From Have have you experienced um, people that actually, um, from your work, when they started keeping the boundaries and started keeping the rules, that it has changed their relationship, improved, brought it down, brought it up? What have you experienced in your work? Absolutely. Um, couples that have um, taken it upon themselves can actually admit that they don't they they don't imagine ever having going back to uh, to their previous lifestyle because it has added a dimension of of closeness and of um, of preciousness that they did not have before of respect and dignity because each one is not just an object but uh, each one is a real human being that has to be valued for all of uh, all of um, the husband as well as the wife 
for all of their um, various um, beautiful parts. And uh, the neshama, the soul of the human being becomes that much more brilliant uh, when it's all taken into uh, consideration and it's not just a physical relationship, but a, an absolute spiritual and emotional bond that, uh, that keeps on renewing itself and keeps on the freshness uh, just as if they were recently married. So you're saying that by taking our relationship a step forward from just uh, um, communicational, physical um, bond that's consistently there to actually um, a relationship that we have to focus sometimes only in the emotional side and sometimes only in the spiritual side and sometimes only in the uh, physical and sometimes in all three together actually increases our uh, connection bond and increases our uh, marriage life? Uh, 100%. Yes. And we have, we have many proofs for it. We even know that there were sociologists and psychologists uh, that were approached very often for uh, advice to couples who needed a little rejuvenation. And they actually prescribed, of course, uh, not with all the Torah edicts, with all the details, to take a step back. And um, as well as it worked for these couples, it actually helped them. But we have the uh, divine commandment, so when we do it and when we keep it, uh, it has that extra godly blessing. And uh, we see it, it works. It works. Uh, wow, that's amazing. We, we, this show has come to an end, and unfortunately, it was a bit difficult to get together to be in touch. Um, I just want to ask, Rabbi Rosenberg is here now in South Africa and actually doing some work regarding the, these projects, etc. And uh, if anybody wants to be in touch directly to Rabbi Rosenberg, how can they call you? What, how can somebody be in touch with you? Okay. Well, if so, anybody uh, wants to be in touch, in touch directly, uh, so I'm going to give I'm going to give a South African number oh seven nine one nine six two seven three six. If you want to be in touch directly with Rabbi Rosenberg to hear more about it, because unfortunately we do have to get uh, bring this show to an end. Um, thank you so much for being with us. I think it's well, very if important to focus wants on this. To be in touch with in touch with me in Israel. That would also be a, um, uh, would, a, a How could they be? Okay, what would be the number? So the number could be, uh, my uh, cell number is 05041 So that's 914 So one second, so that's 972, right? 97254. Okay, uh, 9130. Okay, so it was a bit uh, difficult the last communication, so if anybody wants to get through, you can also send me a message on rabbigsh at, at gmail.com directly, and I will connect you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Alan. We're going to be Thank back here so on the show later on. We do have to end off this show. Thank you, Craig, for the music, the patience, and Mandy for all the work getting this conversation to happen. We will get, please God, be back next Monday, 2 to 3. Keep well.